is Marketing Radio episode 269. What is the role of community in B2B marketing? Digital Marketing Radio with David Bain. Hi, I'm David Bain and this is Digital Marketing Radio, the place where today's modern marketing masters mingle, keeping up to date with all the latest tools, tactics and trends of all the essential matters in digital marketing today. The world of social media has exploded over the last 15 years. Consumers now have the ability to share their experiences about any kind of purchase imaginable. But what about B2B? We're constantly told that B2B marketing is very different from B2C and that building a community in the world of B2B is a lot tougher. But is that really the case? And what is the role of community in B2B marketing today? Joining me to discuss that in episode 269 of Digital Marketing Radio is a man who's been wholly focused in the world of B2B marketing for the last 17 years. He's the editor-in-chief of B2B marketing. Welcome to DMR, Joe Harrison. Well, it's lovely to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Well, you can find Joe over at b2bmarketing.net. So thanks um, so much for uh, coming on, Joe. Um, so Joe, um, how does B2B marketing differ from B2C marketing? Well, I was once told about the four knots of B2B by an agency that created this as a, as a kind of little meme, and I can only ever remember three of them. So I'll try and give you those three. It's not today, it's not my money, and it's not just my decision. B2B decision-making is, is long-term. Um, there's multiple decision-makers in it, not just a couple. And it's not the individual's money that they're spending. They're spending the money of the organization. So that's very different from consumer, which often is quite emotional. Well, B2B is emotionally led, but in a different way. But it's not impulsive or instinctive. It's very considered and has to be. And there's all kinds of complexities in the decision-making unit and individuals. And there's a whole school of thought around called behavioral economics. If you ever heard Rory Sutherland speak, he's excellent about this. Um, so, yeah, it is very, very different. And people who say, oh, it's just marketing, it's all the same. I mean, generally speaking, it's because they don't really know anything about B2B. Yes, I mean, I've certainly heard um, Rory Sutherland. I've uh, seen him on a few webinars. I haven't seen him in person, but um, shout out to the marketing meetup. You know, he's um, done really well, a few great um, webinars on there. So does that mean that B2B perhaps hasn't had to change as much with the times in terms of digital marketing? Has it been more challenging or not even possible for B2B to really change as much um, technology-wise as B2C might have done over the last few years? I'm going to challenge you back and say that I, I kind of don't think there's any such thing as digital marketing because all marketing is digital. I mean, if you're, if you're working doing analog marketing, where are you? What are you doing? I mean, it can't, it doesn't exist. It can't exist. There are analog activities to marketing, but the vast, overwhelming majority of, B2, of marketing, B2B marketing certainly is digital. Um, and I think if you consider, um, has it changed as much as consumer? It's changed in a different way. It hasn't changed as fast, or at least it hadn't changed as fast about 10 years ago, but it's definitely picked up pace. And if you think about what I was talking about just now in terms of decision-making units, um, there was a wonderful phrase coined and used the word modern marketing. That's an expression coined by, um, uh, by John Miller, who was um, who founded um, Marketo and now went on to found um, part of what's now demand base. And he coined the phrase um, uh, modern marketing. And it's used to talk about um, another that came out of the marketing automation revolution. And another one of those guys in that process was uh, Steve Woods. And he talked about digital body language. And it was all about understanding how individuals and now increasingly how accounts how they function and, and all of the 
um, the different touch points that they have um, with an organization, with its sales team, with its marketing team, with its channel partners sometimes, with its website, with its social feeds, um, in order to move towards making a decision. And so it's incredibly complex. It's incredibly digital. Um, and, and um, uh, you know, and, and the complexity renders it, whilst, the, whilst some of the consumer activity, I suspect, is probably... Um, more up to the minute and possibly I dare say flashier I mean that sounds I don't want that to sound like a derogatory term but I, I guess it can mm-hmm. be the B2B that the online digital interactions have to be really meaningful um, to convince people to part with sometimes hundreds of thousands of pounds I guess I was thinking of things like appearing in um, trade publications um, but is this something that doesn't really exist anymore I mean are people in B2B were they generally not get a physical trade magazine anymore? Is, is is most of that online as well? Yeah, I mean, increasingly, I mean, you're, I mean, you wanted to talk to me today. What the kind of the one things we're going to explore later on is around communities. Um, you know, we are yeah. actually an interesting case in point. You know, last year we shut, we closed our magazine, we stopped printing our magazine. Um, now we we launched it 17 years ago, um, and that was all we wanted to be, um, and we expanded to different things, and we probably it probably lasted beyond its sell by date partly because we didn't know what the go-to thing was. And communities are filling that gap. And if you actually look around, okay. at, if you look at the big B2B trade publishers, the people like EMAP um, and um, Informer and people like that and, and um, the various companies in, in that read RBI in, in those kind of areas, you know, they've either divested themselves of what's left of their trade publishing, uh, sent in marketing with Center or, or ZM, no one knows how to pronounce it, um, is another example of that. They divested themselves of that, or they've mutated them into, the, into the, either community platforms or data platforms, um, or sometimes both. So, um, yes, there are print products around, and, and I, you know, as a as a someone whose heartland is in producing magazines, you know, I still think print plays a valuable role, but it's not embedded into people's work streams in the way that digital is. So, 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 why do you think um, it, it took you um, until last year to, to to move over to more of a community focus from a um, physical copy magazine is that because uh, building communities for B two B is is tougher or takes longer or isn't as effective as as, as B two C? Um, I think it's a combination of things. Um, one is the it's like I said earlier on we had um, we had a magazine. It was and we had and the magazine is a center of what we do. Just to clarify for listeners, B two B marketing is a kind of you know multimedia kind of portfolio of products. Um, content, you know, we have our own podcast, um, loads and loads of webinars that we do, um, loads of content we create, loads of events, um, and awards are a really big part of that. But the central of that was a magazine. And so, you know, if, if it was a case of until you, if you had something, until you had something to sort of replace the magazine, it was hard to know to, to back away from that. Um, and mm-hmm. we had, I think we didn't actually, and this was something that came from the pandemic. Um, we were, looking at beginning of 2020 looking down the barrel of a gun because uh, as lots of companies and businesses were going we make a lot of our revenue from events we know that we may be able to run the events online but we probably won't be able to get the delegate revenue and you know this looks quite scary um and one of the one of the things it did give us the opportunity to do is we had a membership program membership activity for cmos and marketing directors and we knew that there was more that, that could be it wasn't enough um and we knew we could package it up together and deliver more stuff to together within it and we actually um you know spent allocated some time to to doing that and we didn't say we want to launch a community but that's kind of what came out the other end of that process um and Mm -hmm. actually what we realized is that 
this was something which was gathering momentum, gathering pace. The, the, it, there was an, a, an understanding that um, of what community looks like in um, in a B two B context, which is different to what it looks like in a consumer context. And and, I, and by the way, I don't think that we've completely got that yet. I think every day that goes past, I think I learn more about what it should be and what it could be. And we so we embarked on that journey and we launched in January. It's called Propolis, um, which means first city. Um, it's a it also, but also it's the it's the word. And by the way, David, if you haven't heard this word. I had never heard it before we, we before we started I haven't using done it. I, I was just about to Google it. <laughs> so it what it is it literally means first city, um, but also it's the it's a term that um, uh, bees is the word for what the resin that bees create and make to build their hives. Um, so obviously it's the foundational block for a bee community. Bees, B two B, you know, the uh, pretty obvious kind of synergies there. <laughs> bees are community led; they're industrious; they work together. So you know, it, it felt very very simple and strong, and. Um, is it's the right time, and I mean, I feel like without wishing to to extend this answer, which I appreciate, it's frustrating when you're interviewing someone. You know what we're learning around what what B two B marketers want um, is it's different in terms of who they are. The CMOs and the senior marketers want connectivity, peer to peer, collaboration, sharing, validation, all that kind of stuff. The marketing managers want quick wins, quick fixes to uh, to sort out. Um, the everyday challenges they have. So we have to cater for both those levels and probably lots of grey areas in between. Um, and um, and that's what we're doing. So what research did you do when you decided that you were going to launch a community? And how did that research change, impact what you actually decided to, to include in the community? Well, we interviewed a lot of our best customers and asked them what they liked from us and what they didn't like. And we looked around into the market in terms of what solutions are available as well um actually ironically um we believed naively that a lot of what we could deliver we could deliver in analog fashion we weren't necessarily looking for a, for a digital community hub we kind of strung the bits together and thought we could deliver this in a kind of a largely offline way at the risk of counteracting what i said earlier on or, or contradicting what i said earlier on but then it became obvious that actually the digital community platform is the piece that that strings these things together and makes them more powerful and takes on its life of its own as well. So what are the typical long-term objectives of having a B2B community? Um, Is it with a view to turning prospects into um, customers and brand evangelists or is it simply, um, I don't turn it some additional... um, Revenue model or uh, alternative business to to, to 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 what business is typically doing? Are you talking now from a position of a publisher or a, or an information provider like ourselves, or are you talking about position from the customer's perspective or both? I think I'm um, looking from the pers- two different perspectives. One is from your own, uh, your own experience. Um, what are your own reasons behind doing it? Um, or do you actually want to build that into a revenue? generating model by yourself um, or is it um, a, w- a way to simply market um, other things that you do and then secondly from um, a general b2b brands perspective that hasn't got a community yet but is thinking of having a community um, what's the value in having it for them is it um, a marketing channel or is it an opportunity to add an additional revenue stream okay all right so thank you for clarifying sorry uh, for that um, from our perspective the value for us um, is that it allows you to cultivate and build deeper, longer-term relationships with our best customers, the type of customers which we know buy lots of stuff from us and do it in a holistic way. Instead of trying to sell lots of little bits and pieces to them throughout the year, 
subscriptions, event tickets, awards, entries, training, and the advisory consultancy on top, we can package it up in one piece. And by the way, we can tease out better opportunities by having a collected um, uh, relationship with them. And instead of having just a member at a CMO level, we can have a mem- membership at heads of function level and a marketing manager level, and even at an exec level. So we can cater for all their, all their needs by packaging things up into a solution. Um, now, I don't know if that, and, and, and is it paid for? Yes, it is paid for. You know, it's not, we're not going to say it's, it's not free. You know, we have to do a lot of work to populate it and make it work and a lot of people contribute to it. So it has to be paid for. And I don't I know enough about other organizations um, in terms of B2B publishers or what you would have called publishers five, 10 years ago. But I know that we are, people like Chemical Watch, for example, are, are ahead of us on this journey. Um, and there's different iterations of that same um, journey people are going on for that very reason because they want to get close to their customers and deliver what they want and just pump and you know just pumping out print magazines back to your point earlier on is well it's it's very uh, 1995 um, so it's not what we want to be right now and then in terms of your other question was around the role of it for brands um, should you know um, should a brand what should brands consider if they should they consider having their own communities and I don't think they necessarily yeah. need to I think it's I mean for me, this is where intermediaries come in. This is where people like ourselves. Um, it's about the it's about the intermediary for twenty twenty two rather than for nineteen ninety five or two thousand and five. Um, mm. You know what does that look like? And um, there are you know, we we are working with commercial partners or starting to work with commercial partners within the platform. It's early days for those yet, but we know there's opportunities for that, and um, and that has huge benefits for them. You know, I don't think every brand needs to or actually it would actually be damaging for every band to try and set up their own community some do definitely have the opportunity to do it but um it's more about how you leverage other existing communities and work with the owners and managers of those communities in order to position yourself and your activities best within those activities because a community can be anything can be based around anything you know talking about a lot of events are building trying to position themselves as communities and, you know and, and obviously um b2b brands work with events but it's moving beyond that kind of one-off transactional moment where you turn up, build a big stand. I hope to speak to people for three days and then go off again. Um, so, yeah. so I hope that answers your question. Yeah, absolutely. What are your thoughts on a B2B community, a digital B2B community as an opportunity to network? Because um, in the past, I've gone to various different business uh, networking events, not so much recently, but I remember going to loads of um, breakfast meetings with a view to actually um, just do, do uh, is it speed business dating or whatever it's called, have two minute conversations with different people and uh, maybe do many presentations of what I do as well. And there's an opportunity to perhaps, perhaps do business directly with other attendees. Um, on the face of it, that seems more challenging and um, less personable to do that in a digital manner. Is, is that still possible to do that digitally? I think it is possible, but you've got to manage those relationships well. It's not; it's just not the same. And I think it's easy to to make some assumptions, um, even having some experience of these things, that they'll work in one way, but they, they won't. I think you have to do. I think my job as a community leader is to cultivate those um, uh, reciprocal relationships and get people to understand the value that they offer to each other. To each other, um, and that does involve some offline activities as well, or, or at least stuff like Zoom, for example. We do a lot of roundtables and uh, meetings where you can understand experts and you can look at find out people who shared similar problems to you and then cultivate opportunities for them to come together and we are doing an event for our cmo audience next week a physical event ironically we did an event last week a, a conference about account-based marketing um that's actually 
Um, we wouldn't normally do so many physical events in one month. It's just an accident of circumstances that's happened. But there's definitely a role for that analog activity as the icing on the cake, but backed up, underpinned by the digital stuff, which allows immediacy um, and accuracy um, and and flex pragmatism and flexibility around who you talk to and when. Because of COVID, COVID, do you, do you believe that we're going to see much less face-to-face interaction in the future? Are we going to see a combination between digital and, uh, and, and physical meetings still? Well, if you think about events, if you, offer, if you look at the perspective of events, I think the future is definitely hybrid. Um, you know, we're not mm. going to go back to uh, the old days of all physical events, physical leading being the only thing. Um, but I think people are, are um, bored of, are zoomed out, frankly, you know, even the MD of Zoom said he zoomed out, didn't he? Um, and, um, and and frankly, also, you know, what was successful in Mar- May 2020 is not what's successful now. There was, you know, there's there was, frankly, a lot of rubbish that was going on then. And everyone's, and the, the bar's been raised significantly. So uh, to get back to something, um, to, to everyone, to the, the kind of standard of raise of, of what, did, what good digital events looks like. And we need to move with it. I mean, our conference last week, we had... Um, uh, it was a physical conference, but it was streamed. So, you know, and we, and we sold tickets. Last year, our events mm. were, f- were, were mostly free. We did sell some tickets as well. Um, but, and, and going forward, they will be, they'll be only be paid for. And we actually are learning from last week is we've been offering digital tickets at a reduced rate. We won't be doing that anymore. Um, because you're, you're, all the work is the same and actually the costs are higher as well. So you can intend in person if you like, but you can also intend digitally and you can, watch stuff on demand which is great when you've got different streams of activity going on i appreciate you weren't necessarily talking about events but that's quite high in my agenda no that's great that's, that's, that's a relevant conversation a related conversation do you not have more fixed costs when people are attending physically and is it not putting people off who are just going to attend digitally um to pay the same as, as someone attending in person um, well, that's a very good question. I mean, um, I think what we you want to try and encourage people to, you know, it's, economics is about uh, incentives and disincentives, and you want to give people to tell them all the value that they get that they're getting by coming. Um, and um, you know, we will continue to watch it, but we're definitely, at the very least, there won't be a you know, there won't be as the, the even if they don't end up being the same price in the future, there will be vastly less difference. Um, you know, so, and, and it might even be that we put up the physical cost of events because, and, and then, and so they become, they become more balanced that way. I don't know, but, but I think you have to encourage people monetarily to come, um, and to show them all the things they're missing out on for the very reasons you're speaking about that, the power of those interactions and the power of the things that you, when you learn, when you're seeing them face to face and the people you meet face to face is, is tremendous. Um, and, um, and, and, and is, is, is worth taking time out for. It's it's certainly challenging and, and people are learning, as you say, and it's, it's a new type of event. It's not something that uh, existed five years ago. So um, I think businesses are learning and, and changing their offering because of that. I think another challenge that um, these type of hybrid events have is to encourage as much interaction as possible to from people who are actually um, viewing digitally. Um, did, did you attempt to encourage interaction and, uh, from people uh, attending digitally and actually do things like even um, maybe read out their names or in, in involve them somehow as part of the physical event as well? Yeah, I mean, well, you mean when the events were digital only or the one we did that was hybrid? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the event that you've just done. Um, so for people that were just attending virtually, yeah. Um, did you do something to actually try to incorporate them as part of the physical event yeah. and make them feel that they really were part of the real thing as well? We did try, but to be honest, we could have tried harder. Um, and I mm-hmm. think it, and it's one of those problems that you've got some integrating. Uh, it was one of those things we didn't think about early enough. Um, you know, we had people cultivating the digital stream. We tried to get questions in. We got some questions in. But um, it, it, it's it's just a difficult process to manage. I don't think the platform we were using could it was uh, we didn't use the right connection of tools to do that. Um, so mm-hmm. it's definitely I think we need to, something to work on, work harder at. But the feedback we got has been generally pretty good. They were generally very good, rather rather than pretty good. Um, and they seem to have enjoyed it. And I think that the the buzz um, from the live event translates into the, digi- the digital one. They, they, they see that people are enjoying it. They, they appreciate it. The highlight for me was when we had, um, a, um, a, a couple, um, two speakers from Autodesk and there was someone from Germany who was presenting virtually and someone from the UK was presenting physically. And then we had people in the room watching mm-hmm. and the people were online watching as well. So that was like a, that was like meta hybrid, I think you could call it. Um, it was, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it, it took a different level. So, so that, and that went well and, and they, everyone enjoyed that and, and went down well. So, you know, that gives me confidence. Great. Great. Well done. Um, that, that's a, that's a good combination. I, I remember, um, about five years ago or so, I was live streaming the Brighton SEO event and um, I was hosting an in-between speakers um, discussion panel on, on what had actually been discussed. Um, and then that was being live streamed. But um, one or two members of the discussion panel were joining virtually as well. So <laughs> that was a whole <laughs> strange mixture of things. But but it was very um, appealing to the target audience. And it's something that c- certainly feels that um, um, makes people feel that... Um, they're being involved because um, they see people virtually taking part as well. I, I don't think anyone, as you say, has, has got it completely right yet, but it's it's important to try these things. Absolutely. Okay, well, um, let's move on to the second section of our discussion. So it's now time, time for Joel's thoughts on the state of digital marketing today. So starting off with... Secret software. So, Joel, can you share a lesser-known MarTech tool that's bringing you a lot of value at the moment and why that tool is important for you? We just deployed Swoogo as our delegate management platform um, for running our events and um yeah everyone seems to be loving it it's great um we were using another another tool i'm not going to mention the name of something i'm going to be less than positive about it i think it'd be unfair um but was it one that was more orientated around physical events um and it didn't really work in the new capacity so swugo yeah is so far very impressive so swugo i was just trying to um spell that it is s-w-o-o-g-o isn't it s-w-o-o-g-o Brilliant. Okay. I think that's what I meant. (laughs) That's what I read in Google anyway. Um, Wonderful stuff. Okay. Let's move on to next on the list. So what's one marketing activity or tool that you haven't tried yet, but you want to test soon? Well, back to your point earlier on, I think I really want to explore more of the um, digital networking technologies. Um, The platform, the event platform that we used for our our use over the last 18 months is really good at broadcast stuff, um, but it's, and it is changing all the time. The amount of money going into these platforms is extraordinary, but it's a bit weak on the networking side of things. So there are some platforms that have more, better functionality built in, and there are some platforms that actually just do that by itself. And I think I'd like to explore mm. some of those things. I know there are a few things that offer it, operate in that area. Great stuff. Yeah. I, I think I've received an invitation recently for a bit of software called Lunch Club, and um, it seems to be, um, in, in, encourage actually physical meetings of people, but I, I haven't haven't given it a proper go. But um, could be a, a bit of an interesting software to try. And yeah, yeah. Let, let's move 
on to the next section. So that's um, called... The This or That Round. So this is the quick response round. Uh, just 10 quick questions here. Two rules. Not, try not to think about the answer too much. <laughs> and you're only allowed to say the word both on one occasion. So use it wisely. Are you ready? Okay. TikTok or Twitter? Twitter. Facebook or LinkedIn? LinkedIn. YouTube or podcast? Podcast. Traffic or leads? Leads. Paid search or SEO? SEO. Ads or influencers? Ads. Google ads or Facebook ads? Google ads. Email marketing or chat marketing? Email marketing. Martech stack or all-in-one platform? Martech stack. One-to-one or scale? One-to-one. Well, you're definitely not into Facebook and um, <laughs> you probably ummed a little bit on traffic or leads. Um, I yeah. can understand why you said leads, but, but why were you potentially thinking traffic? Oh, I, I heard an interesting, a fascinating presentation at the end of our ABM conference last week about some about um, somebody from a, a Latiny Conant, I think I think her name. She's an American CMO at a company called Six Sense, and she she wrote a book about the transformation they went through. And she said we turned we 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 basically broke the gates down. We we um, got rid of our gates, and um, because we want you know. And I, I'm not going to pretend to try and explain the rationale, but she just believed that the, the right content gets to the right people, and and it turns into inbound, and and or it turns into the right the right opportunities. And and I, I like the idea of that. And I and the other side of it is, I think if you've been working in B two B for a length of time, there's a tyranny around leads, and um, marketing automation was designed to improve that um, relationship. But actually, you know, often it only exacerbated it and you had the conversation about what is a marketing qualified lead and what's a sales accepted lead and just stuff getting chucked backwards and forwards so it almost it, it, it created a created a, a better construct for a battlefield rather than resolving the battle whereas account-based marketing um at the one-to-one end which is why i was saying that is is just does resolve that issue but it's not right for everybody so do you think if i asked you that question in five years time you would say traffic over leads I hope so. I I, was, yeah. I can't guarantee it. I mean, I think there is. Um, you know, it, it's back to your point. I was. I'm mindful of listening back to my own responses that they, you know, they definitely weren't at the most bleeding edge end of kind of uh, of, of martech and or digital marketing, even if such thing exists or not. But beyond, mm-hmm. seeing as I'm on digital marketing uh, radio, I probably should say it does exist. Uh, otherwise, that would be that. Otherwise, it would be get all existential, and I wouldn't even be here. Um, so. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I hope so, but but I think in in B two B kind of old habits die hard. Well, let's move on to the ten thousand dollar question. If I were to give you ten thousand dollars and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on, and how would you measure success? I think I'd spend it on 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 just an an experienced more ex- somebody some more some more resource in our business. I mean, we've gone through a tremendous period of transition and change not helped by the fact we moved offices a couple of days ago as well. Um, so much stuff, exciting stuff going on. Um, you know, we never have enough people to throw at stuff. And right now I could just do with some help in terms of 
getting marketing out the door and getting content out the door. Um, and obviously, as we all know, those things are very aligned. So I'm sorry that's quite a crude answer, but I, but um, that would be you know if you if you sent me someone ex- someone experience who can just churn through stuff for three months, that would make my life a lot easier. <laughs> so when you say get content out the door, what what type of content ideally would that be to appeal to your target market? Well, I mean, all in any kind of content. I think it's um, we we have so much that we'd like to be doing. So many, th- you know, it's it's less is more. But also, I'm I for me on a personal level, I'm trying struggling to um, triage my own time, um, things that I'd like to be doing and things that I'm not able to be doing. Um, so everything from webinars to podcasts um, to features, you name it, um, you name it. We could we not that I have we've got a, I wanted to, I've got a great team um, and um, some really new people who are doing tremendously well and um, but. Yeah, we, there is always um, there's so much we we we're at an exciting point in our business and we just need um, we did as much. Uh, I, I, if you gave me someone someone great for three months, I would um, I could make very good use of them. <laughs> I mean, I think it's um, c- content's obviously essential in this modern world. Uh, f- for a client, actually, at the moment, I'm producing a book, and um, in order to produce the book, I'm interviewing over 60 different marketing experts and producing that as a video series and a podcast and, and a book and publish it all, all on the same day. Do you think that it's it's possible um, to produce content for multiple mediums like that all at the same time? Or do you think ideally you should just focus on one medium at a time? Um, well, I'm going to say yes to both of those because I think it is possible, but it is, but it is ideal that you, that you do it one at a time. But you know, I'm sure you know that or you believe that already. Um, you know, you can repurpose stuff. You should seek to repurpose stuff, but, um, sometimes there's complexity in repurposing, which, um, can drive you slightly out of your mind. <laughs> okay. Let's move on to magical marketer. So who's an up and coming marketer that we, that you'd like to give a shout out to? What can we learn from them and where can we find them? Well, I think I was coming off the back of our conference last week on account-based marketing. I would I cite Neil Berry from Atos, um, who is the head of ABM account-based marketing there, who gave a tremendous uh, session uh, at our conference around um, his experience uh, of of plotting out Atos's account-based marketing strategy and all of the and the lessons he's learned along the way with that. Neil's a great guy. Um, he's got a really a disarming, self-effacing manner to him, but he's achieved an awful lot in his career. He's kind of come through the Fujitsu school of account-based marketing um, and um, learned a lot from Andrea Clatworthy, for example, who is the guru in that kind of area. Um, but um, yeah, he, he's doing doing brilliantly and his session at our conference just really resonated with people in terms of the honesty and the candor with which he spoke about the challenges, but also he's been very successful in there as well. So yeah, he's definitely someone worth following if you're interested in that kind of thing. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, I would like to point out it's not the jiu-jitsu school of um, account-based marketing, it is the <laughs> fujitsu one. Yeah. Slight difference. Yes. <laughs> very, you obviously said the it, right it one. Sometimes it could be the jiu-jitsu school, but I don't know. I haven't met Andrea on a, on a dark night, so maybe she, who knows? <laughs> Absolutely superb. Um, well, Joe, Thanks so much for joining us today. Obviously, um, listener can find you through uh, b2bmarketing.net. Is there an ideal social platform that you'd like to interact on that people can follow you on? Yeah, LinkedIn or Twitter are both really good. Um, I'm not really very much of anywhere else, um, but um, uh, certainly not in a work capacity on Facebook. And um, So yeah, I'd love to interact with people on either of those things. So thank you so much, David. It's been lovely speaking to you. Some really interesting questions, thought-provoking ones as well. So I, I, so I really appreciate it. 
Yeah, thanks for coming on, Joe. So obviously, you we, we talked a little bit about B two B marketing in general. Um, if you're going to set up a community ask your market um, about it before you set up a community. I think a lot of marketers make that mistake. They, they, they launch something um, and then ask for feedback. Um, that, that was so important what you said um, to begin with. Just and and I would just community. add to that, I wouldn't, I just, it's not for the faint hearted. Um, it's, it's something you've really got to buy, really got to be committed to. You can't, you know, they think about social, social presence. You can't just have a social media uh, prisons and then leave it alone with community is quite the opposite it takes a lot of money and investment and time to do it and if you're not really really super committed to it just don't bother yeah yeah absolutely and i think the same goes with all those all the different social platforms don't be on everything and give links to everything and then not interact on there that's actually yeah. a negative publicity instead of good publicity <laughs> we could have another conversation about that i'm sure uh, we had a good, great conversation about hybrid events of course as well and um i, I yeah, you could have a, a lot of great thoughts a personal experience from doing that it's definitely the future it's it's how it's done um you've got to involve everyone and it's challenging to do that your secret software, um, swoogle.com. You're next on the list, Digital Networking Technologies, and your magical marketer, Neil Berry from Atos. I'll make sure that there are links to all of that in the show notes at digitalmarketingradio.com. Anyway, thanks again for coming on. Um, great to have you as part of the show. It's wonderful to be here, David. Thank you so much for the invitation. Digitalmarketingradio.com Digitalmarketingradio.com Digital Marketing Radio, Digital Marketing Radio, DigitalMarketingRadio.com. Digital